At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Panel to screen. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell! Man, how you doing tonight? I am um alive. Yeah, that's you know what? These days, that's great. That's good. Yeah. It's about, about the best you can hope for these days. <laughs> I will take it. Yes, sir. I was actually I was in a conversation with somebody earlier and I said, Well, if everything falls together, and then I caught myself and said, But it's 2020, so I'm not anticipating that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just waiting for the news where they're like, Yeah, there's a giant asteroid, there's nothing we can do. Everybody has six months. Oh, that happened. That happened earlier in the year. You didn't see that? There wasn't. Nah, no. Okay, it missed us. It technically missed us. I did a whole like day dedicated to that asteroid that, that almost hit Earth, or that was like going to hit Earth, and then it kind of changed trajectory. And I was like, yeah, even this asteroid doesn't want any part in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think my, my crown jewel of that tweet storm was like, you know, imagine being an asteroid your entire life, working every single day with the one hope that you would be the one to destroy Earth. And then as you get closer and closer, you realize 2020 beats you to the punch. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We've got a, uh, we got a fun show to uh, dive into. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, but before we do that, there's a couple things we want to let you know about. We are coming to the conclusion, actually next episode, if I'm not mistaken, will be the conclusion of our Release the Rose Colored Cut series going back through the DCEU films with rose colored lenses uh, and really kind of shedding some new light on all of these movies or re-enjoying them with a whole another extra layer of frosting uh, like the one that we'll be talking about today, in my opinion. Uh, but like I said, we are coming to the end of this, which means that we are potentially headed to a pretty, you know, a large dry spell, a content drought, if you will. But do we have to? That's the question. Now, at the end of last season, or I guess nearing the end of last season's Flash TV Talk, we made mention of a stretch goal that we had put out on Patreon, where we wanted to kind of get to a certain level, and we would make, for all of you, uh, a Earth-90 Flash TV Talk. Well, things have changed. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, the apocalypse, as we were just saying, has been going on. And I don't know about you, Bell, but I have really been enjoying uh, touching base with you on a weekly basis. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's good for my soul. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice reprieve from the just constant existential dread. Exactly. You need this. This is, this is therapy to some extent. And you know what? We want to help provide that for you. Uh, so what we've done is we've lowered our stretch goal to make it very achievable. All we really need is like one or two more patrons. And uh, once we hit that, we'll be able to bring you all the Earth 90 Flash TV Talk series. We'll be going back through the John Wesley Ship series. It's something that we've always wanted to do. And you know what? The time is here. It's just a matter of making sure that we got the finances to be able to lock it into the schedule. So it is up to you. Head over to patreon.com slash TV Talk to learn more. All that out of the way, we got a movie to talk about. 
an aqua movie, and I am ready to make a splash with you in this entry to the rose-colored retrospectives. Well, let's hope this podcast doesn't flop. Oh, we'll be sleeping with the fishes for sure. Hey, oh. <laughs> I feel like Aquaman is the only one that could really go toe to toe with like uh, Captain Cold or Mr. Freeze in terms of pun ability. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's it's just a, a, a an ocean's worth of them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, man. It's uh, it's it's all out there. Listen, it's uh, this Aquaman. Let's see. When did this come out? This was fairly recently. Came out in 2018, man. Uh, and I remember seeing this movie. I was actually in Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan at the time, uh, visiting the in-laws and, uh, yeah, got away and watched this movie. And I remember going to the theater with not low standards, no standards. I had no expectations going into this movie. And I remember coming out with a big goofy grin on my face because this movie, my friend is like one of the like best blockbuster popcorny extra butter type of movies that has ever been made. I mean it's it's a fantastic fun film that is just ah delicious. <laughs> and like this is a rose-colored retrospective and so I'm saying this with love but it is a dumb movie. No, and exactly. Yes, 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 but it knows it's dumb. Yeah, it knows it's dumb and it and it works with it. And so it's like you know, sometimes when you you have a film that's like trying to be smart and cool and all this kind of stuff, and it's just dumb and it makes it so much worse. And then you have this movie, which is like, yeah, this entire premise and concept and like the story is dumb and every every like a lot of stuff is dumb, but it's so entertaining. It is, and I would even argue, man, that it walked this interesting line, right? Or maybe blended these two spectrums. One is the embracing the fact that we're making an Aquaman movie and all of the cheesiness and like how bad that can flop that kind of comes along with it. If you take that seriously, you're probably going to fail. But what if you treat it as if it is kind of a campy thing, but then you crank it up to 11 with like a rock and roll factor? Because like, man, there's, there's just some epic moments in this movie that just work so very, very well. I mean, part of me wants to jump directly to the end uh, and that just epic battle sequence and, and everything else. But I think, you know what, I'll use that as an excuse to talk about one of my biggest uh my favoriteest moments are not moments my favoriteest aspects of this movie and that is like everything <laughs> it is it's gorgeous it is one of the most beautiful movies every single set piece just feels very lived in you know it, it's almost like you could call this world building the movie because you get like this really deep rich history that is being communicated yes through a lot of exposition but even without the exposition you can just visually see the story yeah, like the, the the colors are just vibrant and like just comic book brought straight to life kind of feel to it. Um, and it's such a change, just a drastic departure from every other DCEU film that's come out that it's it's refreshing and it works. It really does work. Like, you know, even even in the movie, they explain it where it's like, oh, yeah, the Atlanteans eyes are better adjusted to see darkness. So that's that. why, yes, you know, like all this stuff, like, you know, to us, it wouldn't look like that to them. It does because they, you know, they can see it. And, you know, explanations aside, I, I, I didn't even need that explanation because it was like it was beautiful and it worked and it was consistent. And like. Like the difference between the surface when they're on the surface and like the underwater and even the different environments underwater. Uh, mm. Yeah, the, the really, really good job there. Absolutely. Yeah, the the eyes adjusting, you know, it's one of those things that I never really consider as like a an Aquaman power, right? Like it's it's a it's like a passive ability. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's part of his evolution, you know, living or evolving underwater where there's not a lot of light. 
Yeah. Now it makes a ton of sense. Plus it gives just a really cool effect. And as you mentioned, it, it gives this, uh, you know, excuse for this beautiful cinematography to be able to see everything that, uh, you know, that, that Atlantis is the, the growth of Atlantis kind of from the old city to the new city. I mean, this movie really is just crammed with so much story and backstory and yes, a lot of exposition. You know, I got to mention this, man, because obviously, as you mentioned, this is a rose-colored retrospective. But, but you know, one of the things I think that assisted in that is that right before this movie, it kind of in the background while I was kind of cleaning house and that sort of thing, I had The Hobbit playing, uh, the first Hobbit. I'm like, man, you know, by comparison, this really isn't that much exposition. Because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and another thing about it is it works in this movie because, you know, um, uh, Arthur in this movie is just a big dumb idiot. And he doesn't know anything about Atlantis or about their culture or about any of that. And so, like, as an audience surrogate, you know, it, it makes sense to explain stuff to Arthur because he's a big, dumb idiot. And um, in other movies, it can feel kind of forced and, like, they're clearly telling the audience not to character this. But every time you have these bouts of exposition, they're clearly telling Arthur because he is clueless. And, I, I you know, I, I, it works. It works for me. It's not one of those, like, you're like, oh, just exposition, exposition, exposition. It's like... Yeah, Arthur does need to know this stuff because he's an idiot. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing, right? Like he's just kind of he's kind of bebopping through life. And you know, maybe he gets it a lot from his father's side. We got to talk about Django in this movie, man. Uh cuz I think that honestly the superpower that uh that Arthur gets from his dad is just the art of chill. Because yeah. from the very beginning of that flashback, he's like, oh, fish lady rolls up here. She's all stabby. Uh, let's get her bandaged up. Oh, she just ate my fish. Cool. Just just chilling with that. Nah. Just don't eat my dog. <laughs> right. I mean, he just takes everything like, oh, I'm the queen of a thing and I'm from underwater and I'm on the run. And now we're having a fish baby. Like everything. Well, it, he's just kind of like, he's like, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. It must be Sunday. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, the lighthouse, which stars Willem Dafoe, uh, who was also in Aquaman, uh, you will see that being the, uh, the person in charge of running a lighthouse does things to your mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> all of, all of that makes perfect sense. No, and actually, you know, and if you've seen The Life Aquatic, uh, also starring Willem Dafoe, uh, yeah, no, that, that's the case there as well. You know, when you spend a lot of time underwater. How many sea or sea adjacent movies has Willem Dafoe starred in? Well, I mean, if you think about, um, <laughs> I wanted to think of another one, Titanic. Remember ti- that, 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 well, you know what, they cut his, uh, his scene out of Titanic, but Willem Dafoe did show up at the very tail end as the ship was going underwater uh, and he was freezing to death. And he's like, he's like, oh, there's room on the board for you too. But he, and then he, and then he died. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a podcast series right there. Review every movie that Willem Dafoe has been in that is oh my uh, gosh. involved with the sea or sea adjacent. You know what? In this day and age of like niche podcasts being kind of filled up, then you got to go like super niche. So it's not just even a Willem Dafoe podcast, which kind of makes some sense. We'll call it it's old like, man in the sea. Because oh! Willem Dafoe's an old man. Bell! <laughs> oh my gosh. Fund it. That's our new stretch goal. We're moving Earth 90 <laughs> Flash TV Talk up. We're making Old Man in the Sea the next stretch goal. People will like like pull their funds before we hit it. Uh, yeah. No, man. I loved, uh, like I said, I loved uh, Django in this movie. I think it's great that he's Aquaman's dad. Um, you know, they've, they've got such a great father-son bond in this. They both have a sense of, you know, a feeling of kind of uh, uh, longing and abandonment that kind of has, has bonded them together. Um, you know, I, I love the, you know, the drinking sequence when they're in the bar. And of course you have the, the, 
biker gang chilling out behind him and dude busts out his little pink bedazzled phone to get a selfie. I I would have loved this, man. What 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 if at the very tail end, knowing full well what was coming, uh, with the battle sequence of like, you know, crab people and fish people and and aqua people and and giant, you know, weird racist kraken. Like you have all <laughs> of these things coming together. What if just at that moment you had coming in on, you know, jet skis, the biker gang with the bedazzled phone, like, woohoo, we got you, brother. <laughs> Like that would have that would have actually fit, I think. Although we'd kind of shifted a little bit at that point in the movie, but it would have been great. It would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, their brains are so similar to fish that he can command them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, man. No, I just think it. I think it just adds to the. Uh, you know, it's less about he can talk to fish and more, as you were kind of pointing out, he's he's kind of a he's, he's a man. He's a man of the people. He's a man of the people, and um, those are his people. Nobody messes with our drinking, buddy. <laughs> That's right. Get him, Aqua, Aqua Boy, or Water, water Man, or whatever. I can't remember what it's called. Fish hey, Boy. Hey, you know, so we talked about Fish Boy. Fish Man. <laughs> yeah, Fish Man. <laughs> we, uh, so we talked, of course, about how they lean into the camp. And, you know, I think this works really, really well on a lot of different levels. But Black Manta. Black Manta has got, first of all, it's, a, it's an epic character in the comics. And I mean, that that is true universally for a lot of these characters. Like when done serious, like they work well seriously in the comics. They can also work, you know, campy in the comics uh, if, if, you know, the, the writer so chooses. But in, in this regard, man, Black Manta is a fantastic character. Uh, you know, especially in more recent years as they've kind of developed him and his family, he makes for a really compelling character to dive into. Uh, now, granted, in this movie, they didn't go too deep in that direction but one of the things they did do and i applaud them for this is they kept the costume about as comic accurate as you possibly can yeah that's that's another thing that's a great segue into like the costumes in general like especially black mantis like you look at him in the comics you know there's no way they're gonna pull it off and they and they do it in a believable fashion like they make it work where he's got the small helmet with the big you know you know he he takes apart the atlantean weapons which you know whatever he i guess I don't know, watched a YouTube video on how to disassemble and, and reassemble Atlantean weapons. Uh, and he tries to build it into a suit and like the helmet explodes. He takes the lenses out of the gun and the helmet explodes. And he's like, I guess I need a bigger helmet. And so, you know, it, it works so well and it looks really cool. Like it's, 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 it's goofy, but like it works. Exactly. I mean, it's like, look, I'm going full in super villain. I've got super villain technology. I'm talking to underwater fish people. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> the, the least weird thing is the length of space between the eye lenses on my helmet with everything else going on. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right. The costume design all the way around. I mean, Mira, when she shows up, she's immediately wearing her comic accurate costume. Uh, We see, of course, the Black Manta uh, creating his uh, Ocean Master by the tail end is full on in his costume with, you know, oddly movable metal eyes. Like, you know, of course, yes, everything. Absolutely. And Aquaman's... um final form costume let's, if you will let's talk about this man <laughs> let's talk about aquaman mega mode aquaman final form whatever you want to call it um i almost get the sense that i don't know hmm, how do i say this so this is a this is a rose colored retrospective for this film not for this franchise at this very moment right so i gotta make mention of this you almost get the sense that what i don't know if it was snyder or the studio but they were very nervous about aquaman Right. Like we're not going to put him in green pants and an orange shirt and we're going to get, you know, Khal Drago to play him. 
and we're going to like, you know, give them, get them all tatted up and make them a biker dude. And don't get me wrong, because it works. It works for the Else world, as we've talked about in some of these other movies. It works for those movies. Here, there's a shift, and I don't know why this shift happens. I don't know if it's because of the negative reaction that the earlier films got. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, kind of a, 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 I got like a, a franchise-wide hope at course correction, or if it's like literally somebody who has a love and appreciation for the comic book character who's taking kind of the toys that they were left with and fitting them into the beloved source material. But I will say this. This is how you know that there's a lot of love behind this movie. And it is because at that moment, we go from Aquaman with this 30 gazillion pointy, it's not even a trident, it's like a quadent. <laughs> it's a fork. It's a really long fork. It's a really long fork. He's got his really long fork. And we get him the full-on gold Atlantis, you know, trident, Poseidon style. We get him rocking the green and orange, and not just green and orange, man, scaled up. I mean, this bad boy is full-on comic book accurate. You cannot tell me that the people behind this movie, James Wan, man, James Wan loves Aquaman. He loves the source material. And this man took lemons with no disrespect to everything that came before, and he turned it into some of the most sweetest lemonade that makes you just want to, mm, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, man, like, it, it's 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 crazy to take a costume like Aquaman's from the comics and try to translate that into real life. There have been multiple attempts to do it, and all of them look various levels of goofy. And this one, it didn't feel goofy. It didn't look goofy. Like No, not at all. That, that was what was so surprising to me about it. It's like, I was waiting the whole movie, just, you know, in there, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm crunching my popcorn. I'm thinking, like, this, this, this movie is silly, but I'm really enjoying it. I cannot wait to see how ridiculous the Aquaman costume looks. And I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow okay, <laughs> like this works. And it was, it was, it was, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like it's a really hard question to answer as to whether or not this was like the studio trying to pull a 180 from what happened before and go a different direction. It, it, it kind of feels like that since it's a lot more lighthearted. It's a lot more colorful in either case. Yeah. There, there's clear love for the source material here and they really do a good job putting that on screen. Although in the other movies, it, like it feels kind of different uh, tonally, and it, certainly the color palette's different. But like, yeah, it works they for can do that, right? Yeah, but it works. it works for this movie. It really, really does. Exactly. You know. All right. So on the the costume thing, one other thing about this, like, did you ever play? What was it? I think it was like Soul Calibur Four when they first introduced the kind of custom making your own character costume type situation. I think it was Four. Okay. So I remember in 4, one of the things I really enjoyed doing was Soul Calibur 4. This was a fighting game. It's kind of like a sword and nunchuck and, you know, axe, all this kind of deal. Uh, but you, you could create your own characters and you basically use different armor sets that the other characters had and you could kind of change the colors. It was a pretty, pretty extensive little customer uh, uh, character creation uh, option that you had in this game. And I remember I went through and I made Justice League versions of almost everybody. <laughs> and I remember the Aquaman costume that I made was very similar to this. I mean, like almost exactly like this. Really? In terms of like, yeah, the green gauntlets with kind of the ornate detail, the, you know, chainmail-esque orange shirt. It, it Like every single time I see him wear this, it reminds me of uh, making that character in Soul Calibur 4. <laughs> I'm sure that's not intentional. I'm sure that's just a major coincidence. But who knows? Maybe they went to Soul Calibur 4 with their uh, 
<laughs> with their developer design development. <laughs> yeah. The the costume designer played a lot of Soul Calibur four and was like, I've already made this costume. My job here is done. <laughs> yeah, let me just scroll here through here and uh and find, take some find screen caps, you know, <laughs> give That's it to right. the prop department, be like, make this. <laughs> Yeah, man. All right. So Mira, as I mentioned, you know, she shows up, she's already rocking the uh, uh, comic accurate costume uh, as well as her iconic, just like, you know, like red scarlet hair. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's interesting. Mira's power set is really, in many respects, far more super than Aquaman's. You know what I mean? Like she too is an Atlantean. She too has the super strength that comes along with it. But she also has aquakinesis. She can actually make hard water constructs. Um, in the comics, we actually see this take place as she kind of makes swords or, you know, um, melee weapons directly out of water around her. Um, here we see at one point, obviously, that the wine fight scene. Uh, <laughs> Which was awesome. Epic. Absolutely epic. She crushes all the wine and turns them into essentially bolts, which she shoots out at, uh, at the guards. Um, you know, I, the, the one thing I felt though about Mero was that, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted more of her, man. I, I felt like there was an opportunity here, especially in the scene on the boat when they're over the trench where they're, you know, the rain's coming down, they're surrounded by water and it almost seems like, how, how is this not like her on the sun? Like, it feels like she's literally surrounded by her weapon, but at the same time, perhaps the, uh, the, the beast of the trench were a little bit, uh, overwhelming. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, they, they really wanted to turn the tension up on that scene and her just very easily defeating all these people because, you know, the ultimate source of her power is all around them right now. It, it kind of. Well, yeah. Yeah. And and her specifically, right? Like, we don't really get a full on exploration of, of Mira's power set. We we this, we get a you know training sequence with a young Arthur. um but it, for as much as she really kind of plays a pivotal role in this movie, we really don't don't get too much of that explanation. Of course, hers is also more visual, so it doesn't necessarily need the explanation. Arthur, on the other hand, the talking to fish, which, by the way, can we just can we just give major props to the fact they brought back the doo, 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 you know like the cartoon Super Friends Aquaman little like uh, sonar yeah. blip? <laughs> yes, yes, that's great. Yeah, that was that was kind of neat, and it, it was also a, yeah. really cool. Like when he grabs the trident. You know, it, it shows him connecting like through the the mm, nervous system mm. of like every single animal in the ocean. Like that was kind of neat because you know, like I don't feel like you have to give an explanation for how Arthur is able to talk to fish. Who cares? No. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. But like that was that was kind of like, oh, you know, it, 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 look, he's going the, the nervous system. You know, he can, can communicate directly with their brains or whatever. Uh, or with the water, he communicates with the water and the water tells them what to do or whatever. I yeah. mean, it's magic. I mean, like, I think it's fine to just say it's magic and we don't have to explain it. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. Um, but, it, but it was cool to kind of see, like, a, a visual representation of how he connects with, like, all the life in the ocean and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It was it was a, a cool, cool moment. Obviously, the, um, you know, the the fact that he can do this when no other Atlantean other than, you know, the the past king was able to um speaks to kind of his you know quote-unquote chosenness to be the new one true king uh that being said one of the things i really appreciated is that you know as i'm sitting here and i'm watching this movie and thinking about what we've just seen that you know aquaman went up against uh you know up against uh, steppenwolf that he essentially took on a demigod he, he really took him on even before the big boss bat- battle as we talked about during our justice league rose colored retrospective but putting Aquaman underwater, 
you know, a lot of times we, we, you know, see this in like the comic shops or, or hot takes from, you know, forums or that sort of thing. People comment about like, Oh, Aquaman, what's he going to do unless he's next to water, right? Like, Oh, hope you guys have a problem in the ocean so that I can help out. Like people, <laughs> you know, like we th- he gets, he gets thrown a lot of shade from that standpoint. What this movie I thought did really interesting is that by taking Aquaman out of her, you know, off of the land and putting him back into the sea amongst his own people, it makes him suddenly no longer super. You know what I mean? Like literally almost everybody there has the same kind of strength that he has. Like all of the, you know, as you mentioned, kind of the evolutionary benefits that an Atlantean has above water, uh, you know, while that works for him would not work for anybody else. And when he goes back down under the water, they're all kind of the same. Um, the only real difference is that he's got the ability to talk to fish, which up until the big battle at the end, he really doesn't even do. Yeah. And so, I mean, you like, know, I, I just, I think it's fascinating that like by taking Aquaman and putting him back in the sea, to some extent, they actually depowered him, uh, which is a great 180 in, in the, a way that really, you know, they talk, you talk about like, you get these superheroes, you put them in these fantastic scenarios, then you have to kind of keep upping the scale of what they're going up against. Well, how do you, how do you, you know, follow up with Aquaman versus a demigod? Uh, you you bring him back down to human level, or at least you know what the equivalent for an Atlantean is. You merely adapted to the water. I was born <laughs> in it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that that was a really neat sort of uh, a contrast there, because yeah, he is a super. Like, it's, it's it's like you know Superman fighting other Kryptonians on Earth. They all have the same power. Um, it's just a matter of how you're able to, to to wield it, right? And so, you know, in this particular instance, Aquaman being the hothead, you know, kind of idiot that he is, is like, yeah, come on, I'll fight you. And so it plays directly into Ocean Master's hands and gets his butt handed to him because he's trained on land by um, um, the vizier. Um, oh, Lord. I can't remember the, his name. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know he's trained on land by Willem Dafoe. I mean, he's 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 he, clearly he's given some kind of training in underwater stuff, but like it looks like all the fighting that we see that he's doing is on land. And so, yeah, it it's interesting, right? How like you said, Aquaman, his focus and essence being water, and then him going in water and him being weaker than he would be on land. <laughs> it's great. Do you think it? Do you think in like Atlantis they would start calling him like Landman? You know. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know because they, they called the, the kingdom that was, uh, uh, swallowed by the desert, the deserters instead of deserters or like, yeah. you know, yeah. The, so maybe they'd call him the lander. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it would make sense that, that Willem Dafoe has that ability to kind of train above water, below water, that sort of thing. I mean, if you think about Willem Dafoe and finding Nemo when he was teaching Nemo how to swim, uh, through the tubes and, and escape, you, know, like, you can you can almost see how he was kind of pulling on that. Wait, Willem Dafoe's in Finding Nemo? Yeah, he was in Finding. He was the fish. He was like the the angel fish. I had I've never seen Finding Nemo. You've never seen Finding Nemo? I've never seen Finding Nemo. It's another Willem Dafoe underwater movie. <laughs> <laughs> we we like in the course of this podcast, we've uncovered like 500 movies we can we can cover with Willem Dafoe that are C or C adjacent. Is Old it man. is it Willem Dafoe? Does he pick these roles, or is is there some kind of like weird? cosmic force that just attracts him to the sea bell i mean it's willem dafoe he's in everything like like he's he's like he's like samuel jackson you know what i mean it's like oh you want what do you want me to do sure i'll do it you mean uh uh well i mean i guess samuel jackson but also um uh 
Oh uh, gosh. What's his name has to pay all. Oh, N- Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is also. Oh in yeah. No, Nicholas. Ca- well, actually, if you think of wild at heart where Nicholas Cage and Willem Dafoe were both in that movie, um, I don't remember if there was water involved because I've never actually seen the movie, but I do know they were both in it. <laughs> remember C or C adjacent. <laughs> like, like you could argue that Spider-Man is uh, C adjacent since New York is, is right next to the Atlantic. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's a stretch. Yeah. That's it's a pretty stretch. far stretch. I don't, I don't it's... think we could, I don't think we could go there. We, we may have tapped out. There might, there may be no other Willem Dafoe water movies, but if, if the, you can think of them, <laughs> tweet those in using the hashtag old man in the sea. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's see. Back to uh, Aquaman, though. Um, okay, so yes, uh, you know when when Aquaman does go, he, he sees his mom. She's covered up in the the bones of the stuff. Oh, by the way, de aging. I wanted to make mention of this. There are some characters in this movie. There's a number of characters in this movie actually. Who, uh, speaking of Willem Dafoe, that they, they use that de aging CGI technology. Mm-hmm. There are some that you know don't need that much of it. Yeah, um, Nicole Kidman. I yeah, like you could not de-age her, and it wouldn't have made any difference to me. I like well that, that but I guess this is my point. Nicole Kidman, look at her in this movie. Look at her in real life. Not a whole lot of technology going on. Like that CGI de-aging, not really doing too much work. Django, on the other hand, definitely needed for him. That was like they were working overtime. They were like, "Hey, do y'all still have that CGI model from Clone Wars?" <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he was like CGI in like half that movie? Like, yeah, like we'll we'll, we'll take CGI Django and uh, oh, it looks too close. All right, let's let's change it up a little bit so nobody knows what we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. That was really interesting because, like, I you know when I was watching it last night, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm I'm looking at it and um, you know, we're we're keeping this rose colored, obviously, but like there's it's it's a little it's a little it's a little weird a little off but like when you see nicole kidman at the end of the film it's like her natural skin just keep it like that like she has not aged a day in like three million years and so oh, yeah i don't yeah, see no, the I'm... point of of de-aging her and plus it, it kind of gives away the end result of the movie you're not going to pay a bunch of money to de-age somebody to have them not show up at the end undeaged, right Right. I know. I mean, like, that's the thing. I, I think it's um, she, you know, it's uh, good casting all around. I mean, I, I want to make mention of that. Uh, every single one of these characters I felt like was was cast very, very well. Uh, this continues to be a theme for the vast majority of this franchise. Um, and so, like, yes, he, he sees his mom, Nicole Kidman. Uh, she she shows up very reminiscent, I thought, actually, uh, of um, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, specifically when Hope's mom uh, they find her in the uh, micro universe and she's kind of covered in, in the technology of that, uh, that universe. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's kind of this, this lost moms thing going on or, or exiled in kind of the, these alternate pseudo alternate dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, microverse, the microverse, the teeny verse, the, t- the teeny <laughs> tiny verse, the small, the small place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no. So he goes through the waterfall. He gets his he gets his trident. Uh, this is the thing that I love, though. So he goes up against the oddly racist kraken, right? And what I love about that is that rather than like battling this massive sea creature, he wins by having a conversation, and it really kind of lends to the fact that you know this this is something very special about him. We saw it at the beginning of the movie when he's just a small little boy, and he's he's talking to the fish, something that you know. 
becomes so much, you know, it kind of becomes a joke. It has become a joke. It's it's Admiral Akbar and a trap. Like it's it's kind of been done to the point where everybody just kind of jokes about this this fact that uh, you know Aquaman talks to fish, as opposed to kind of appreciating it for what it is. When he's a kid, and you see this moment, all of the like the the fish come to his rescue. He's talking to him. He's he's he himself is a fish out of water, pun intended. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so now in this moment in this aquarium, he's getting bullied. The shark comes to his aid, and suddenly he is surrounded by all these sea creatures, man. You feel like you could have opened this up to like a double-page situation in a comic book where they are all surrounding this young boy and recognizing him as their true king. And so fast forward ahead. He's going for the trident. Apparently everybody else has come. The oddly racist Kraken is like throwing some shade, and then he just kind of talks to her. And she's like, oh, you could talk? I didn't know you could talk to me. (laughs) You don't understand me? Yeah, she's like, like you know, she's like the crazy old cat lady who hadn't had a visitor in like 15 years and she's just right. like so happy to give the 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 prize away to somebody who talks to her. Yeah. So he he has this conversation. I just think it's a, a beautiful way to use that that power, so to speak, um and to save the fight for this massive clash. And I I love the end fight of this movie. It is just so rock and roll. You have Aquaman in his comic accurate costume. He's riding on a giant seahorse. He's going, woo! And he's throwing around the trident and the twirling around and everything. You got the oddly racist Kraken coming in. Then you have the oddly racist Atlanteans who are like, you know what? Maybe we should follow this guy. And so he becomes king of a, like an oddly racist people, which is, this is, you know, this is a rose color retrospective. He, he goes in and he, he saves the day, man. It's awesome. And then yeah. there's got crab people, people crab, crab people. people. And then you have like the myrrh fish folk that are coming in and the girl whose dad died in front of her. And now she's like, no, we're going to, we're going to follow this guy. And I think she's oddly racist at one point. Anyway, they all come in and they all follow Aquaman and it's awesome. Weirdly racist at times, but awesome. And they got narwhales stabbing people. Man, like this is rock and roll what? under the water. You cannot tell me that it is not a rock album happening under the water, cranked up to eleven. It's awesome. Yeah. Oddly racism aside, it is awesome. Yeah, it, it is weirdly racist, right? It is weirdly racist. But you know, this is a rose-colored retrospective, so let's let's just keep 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 going. Let's keep powering through. <laughs> you loved like you. I can't remember exactly how you felt. At, at, so I'm, I'm, I feel a little weird tossing this to you, not knowing where you're going to hit it. But like. This climactic battle, you cannot deny that that was epic. <laughs> so, again, I say this with love. This is this is not just because this is a rose-colored retrospective. Um, I genuinely enjoyed it. I thought it was like just the most ridiculous, like absurd, just insane fight. Like, yes, like like there's, there's like dolphins like swimming in, like killing themselves, swimming into bad guys and stuff. Yeah, and like, it's just so it's so ridiculous and so goofy and it's epic it's and <laughs> it's rock and roll see that's the thing there's a line that they're walking in with this i think i think they were able to hit that line and i think that it, it definitely uh communicates the uh the epicness of it but you're right they are they're throwing themselves because he's their king like he's king of the 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 sea the the creatures of the sea have kind of uh, accepted him and embraced him when his own people have cast him aside. And, uh, you know, we see kind of that, that full him coming into his power, him coming to into his own. And even at the tail end where he's fighting his brother, and the mom shows up, she's like, don't kill him and everything else. Uh, you know, he's now the king and everybody's like, you're our king. And he's like, well, this is gonna be fun. Like he's still got that kind of dumb, goofy dude from the bar thing 
going on. He did not instantly change throughout this movie. You know what I mean? Like so much of this movie is taking what came before and making it comic accurate, making it kind of true to the spirit of the Aquaman that we uh, know, love, or at times make fun of, but still remaining true to what Snyder set up. This was not a, if I can make this comparison, it's not like a last Jedi, like toss in the other direction, you know? Yeah. Like, this works. This moves the character along while also like, you know, paying homage to what came before, regardless of whether or not, uh, you know, <laughs> these were the toys you were given. You may not have been happy with it, but dang it, James, you made the best freaking movie you could with these toys. I think it was excellent. And I'm happy to say that at least as of right now, a sequel is set to be released in December 2022. I don't know if that's ever going to happen because of, you know, because of the apocalypse that's occurred, but I hope so, man. I want another one of these movies so bad. Yeah, like like you said earlier, you know, he he accepts the role of king, but he's still himself. Like he he hasn't like you know he didn't go through this grow up mature arc, which I thought was was genuine and cool. Like you know, keep him who he is. Like he's a chosen one for a reason, and like I think it'll be interesting to like see him learn how to lead, but still be the the goofy dumb Aquaman. You know, like. I think that's cool, and I, I'm glad they they didn't just take the character and say, "Nope, he's regal, he's awesome, he's you know this person that he hasn't shown himself to be at all in all the appearances that we've seen him thus far." And so to keep to that, you know, the the, the genuosity there, I thought was I thought was good. Yeah, no, I, I loved it, man. And you know, we've talked about overall again this franchise has kind of taken and the assumption that the viewer is already familiar with these characters. This is one of the first movies that really feels like an origin movie. Um, even, well, I mean, Wonder Woman, I guess, arguably is kind of in that same boat. Uh, but this one in particular feels almost like a pre-Marvel era, like, origin movie that just does all this stuff. And it does, you know, I think it works. And I think that it does kind of set things up for a new era. If there is kind of a, man, I hate to even say this. If you kind of consider the movies, uh, the Snyderverse from Man of Steel to Justice League as kind of the dark age. Perhaps this is trying to kick off a golden age in the DCEU. And I think that's okay. I think this franchise actually can have ages. I think that's one of the things that this rose-colored retrospective has been teaching me, is how to appreciate this this franchise, and also seeing the potential that still exists here. Um, I'm hopeful, and I want another one of these. And that's kind of how I feel. Any other final thoughts about uh, Aquaman? Yeah, you know, it, it set the groundwork for uh, Shazam, which uh, we will get to next week. And, you know, spoilers, that's my favorite DCEU film thus far. And um, it really showed me, at least, that, yes, Snyder has his universe, he has his ideas, he has his plan, and we'll get to see that in the Snyder Cut. Um, but this is, th- this feels like it wasn't part of that, and that there, there are also you know, like you said, like the, the different ages of the comics, right? This There can be space and room for lighthearted, down-to-earth, like, but crazy visuals and, like, all sorts of nut stuff um, and not be, like, too over-grim dark and too over-serious. And I thought that was really refreshing uh, coming off of Justice League. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I'll go see Aquaman 2 for sure. Yeah, come on, man. It's going to be great. I tell you what, if, if it's got James Wan running the things again, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm excited. Plus, you know, I, I do feel like you know this movie, you know, while it did right in some ways by well, you know what, I, yeah, no, I'll say this, I, rose colored. 
I think that it did right in some ways by Black Manta. I think that it also left a lot of room to do way more right in a sequel and a follow-up. Um, so very, very hopeful to see see what uh, what comes down the line in the future here. Man, you mentioned that Shazam is next on deck. Uh, for Shazam, you will be doing the live tweeting. Uh, you know, are you, you pretty excited? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's going to be hard... I mean, it's not really a rose-colored retrospective when you already like really like the movie. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so as, this this movie is kind of like Wonder Woman in that I enjoyed it at the time, but rewatching it helped me to appreciate it more. Although I kind of feel, you know, what that's not even true. It's true of Wonder Woman. It's true of Man of Steel. This movie, I kind of felt like I went into it the first time with rose-colored glasses because I did not have any expectations, and so I just walked out being like, "That was a lot of fun." And so when I was rewatching it again, I'm like, "Man, this is a lot of fun." It's just a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Like that's 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 really you know exact same thing. I went in with zero expectations and I came out pleasantly surprised. Like it was it was an entertaining film. And again, I say this with love. It was dumb, but it was entertaining and it was enjoyable. And um, yeah, I I definitely watch a sequel. Yeah, I mean, you know I I have to admit I'm actually trying to see if there's any more William Dafoe <laughs> water movies. <laughs> Hashtag I old man to see. I want to try to sneak one in. Well, you know, I was kind of surprised that, uh, that, that Finding Nemo, I was like, oh, yeah, Finding Nemo. How do we miss that? <laughs> uh, he's in James Bond, Everything or Nothing. That, Does that have that? ocean in it? I don't know. I don't know. He was he was ocean, ocean finder, Mr. Bond. <laughs> he was the one that went and find all the sharks with lasers. Wait, that was, you know what, that was a different one. Yeah. Well, all right, man, so people will be able to uh, tune in onto the uh Twitter handle this coming Tuesday to join you for that live tweeting 7 p.m. Central Time to watch Shazam. We'll be coming at you at facebook.com slash flash TV talk with a live podcast the following Wednesday. Should be a lot of fun. We've been enjoying doing these and, you know, we would love to hear your thoughts. Have you been enjoying the Rose Colored Retrospective? Uh, For those of you who've gone back and rewatched this or maybe you're just listening to these podcasts to try to see if you can uncover anything. You know, what do you think? Where have we succeeded? Where have we failed? Because we know we failed. We got one more. uh, (laughs) We got one more to go. So let us know your thoughts and we'll try to read a couple of those on the uh, final release the rose colored cut episode of Flash TV Talk. (laughs) A series within a series within a series. Also, be sure to uh, support the podcast as well. If you want us to do an Earth 90 Flash TV Talk, head over to patreon.com slash TV Talk. That is where you will be able to make it happen and yeah, Bell, what else should they do? Where, where should they follow us and do the things? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you can check us out on Twitch for some Flashcraft. If you like Minecraft and you like DC Comics, uh, that's a great place to check us out. We're doing large scale builds of DC Comics inspired things. We've already built the Hall of Justice. We're working now on the Legion of Doom. And uh, we each have our own individual projects as well that we're working on. And uh, that's kind of fun there. You can check us out at twitch.tv slash York for Bo. Uh, twitch.tv slash SeedHD for myself. Uh, there's also a couple other Flash Crafters. And if you want to become a Flash Crafter, DM us on Twitter and we can, uh, we can get you going. Yeah, you know, I actually realized uh, recently somebody was trying to DM us on Twitter and uh, I had the DMs locked. So they're no longer locked. DM us. Oh, you tried to get us before. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just a mess. But yeah, that's been a blast. And uh, we would love to have you as part of that as well. I think that is going to do it for us, though, for this week. So until next time. Wait. Yes. Until next time. For me, for Belle, for Belle's mom. Hi, mom. 
Have a splash-tastic fish fest of a crab clam. And watch out if you're going to the ocean. Watch out for Willem Dafoe because he's always there.